Today we have a scripture reading. Um, It's from Luke chapter 13. And Jesus is speaking. And he was traveling with his disciples, and it just says this. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Then someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow gate, because I tell you, many will try and not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate with you and and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. There will be weeping there, and there will be gnashing of teeth. When you say Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are thrown out. People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south, and they will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and the first who will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, today we do want to hear your words. We want to hear your truth. And Lord, we want to respond. Have your way in us. We pray these things, knowing that you hear us and love us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to talk for just a a, a moment uh, about one more, another hard saying of Jesus. I always like the comforting words of Jesus. Uh, Yesterday I was reading in my Bible and just it said, um, Jesus was talking about, take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. And I was like, yes, Lord, I want to find rest for my souls. And Jesus, you will find rest for your souls. I love those passages. They encourage me. But Jesus also says some things that are sometimes difficult for us to hear. This particular saying of Jesus comes when one of the disciples, as we saw, Jesus was walking along, and one of the disciples kind of throws a question out from left field. One of those ones that just kind of comes from nowhere. Um, It's baseball season, and you know what left field, a question from left field is. Left field's always that place that I wanted to be stationed because nobody ever hits it out there, so it's like I don't have to do that much. I always get nervous. It's like, yeah, put me in left field. That's that's my favorite spot, right, because I don't want to have to do that much. Uh, way out there in left field is what we talk about. It's that question that comes from out of the blue, out of nowhere. Those of you who are, who are teachers, you know what I'm talking about. It's when you're in the middle of this really important lesson on metaphysics, and all of a sudden some student asks, you know, is this going to be on the test? Or, you know, hey, I got a question about politics, or hey, I got... It's like, where did that come from? Why aren't you paying attention to what we're talking about? Okay, this was a question from left field. Look what it says in Luke chapter 13, verse 22. Jesus went through the towns and villages. He was teaching. He had his agenda. He was trying to get the people to know God and have a relationship with God. And then all of a sudden, it says someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Are only a few people going to be saved? Now, saved from what, you may be asking? Well, this is actually the big question. This is the question about eternal salvation. This is the question about who's going to heaven? Who's going to get in? Who's going to be part of the kingdom of God and have eternal life? This is the big question. Now, it's not that Jesus wasn't concerned about this. In fact, Jesus says he came to seek and to save the lost. That he has come to rescue us, to bring us into a relationship with God. 
But here's the deal. We kind of like the disciples kind of have this left field question. Why? Because we kind of want to know, right? <clears throat> Am I going to make it? What's the curve? You know, that, I'm about to start teaching my classes again, right? They're coming soon, the fall semester. Anders, it's starting. I hope you're ready. Uh, all right, the, the, the semester's coming up. Fall semester. The freshmen are going to hit classes. I got a lot of freshmen in my classes, first semester students. And this is what all, am I going to pass? Am I going to get through it, right? And here's what you want to know. <clears throat> are the top, how many people going to get an A? You know, the old grade on a curve. Is it the top 10%, the top 20%? Who's going to make it into heaven? There's an old book called uh, Good to Great about companies. And it says that one company uh, in particular used to fire the bottom 10% of all their employees. Like performance-wise, if you were in the bottom 10%, you get fired. So everybody has to work really hard because you don't want to be on the bottom because you don't want to lose your job. I think that's a terrible way to conduct a business. But, you know, that, that's how they tried to motivate their staff. This was the question to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, how many are getting into heaven? Is it only going to be, is it going to be the top 10%? Because if it's only the top 10%, I've got to work harder. If it's going to be like the top 50% of people in the world are going to get to go to heaven, they're good enough, I'll probably, I'm, you know, I'm probably top 50, right? 50%, right? You guys feel top 50%? Okay. Top 60% maybe. Uh, Jesus, how many are getting in there? This was the question. This was the question. Look at Jesus' answer. Look at Jesus' answer. He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and not be able to. Okay. The disciples in their question had made a mistake. They had made a mistake assuming that, well, maybe I'm good enough and this person's not good enough. They're trying to say, well, how many people are really going to get in? And there's a book, an old book uh, by a guy named Andy Stanley. And he, he wrote a book called How Good is Good Enough. How good is good enough to get to heaven? Like, do you just not have to murder someone? Do you just not have to steal anything? Now, of course, when we were like little kids and stole something at the store and our mom didn't see us slip the candy in our pocket, that shouldn't count, right, Jesus? We kind of all get a pass before age something. I mean, how good is good enough? And Jesus is like, no, it's not about how good is good enough. He says, you better make the effort to enter through the narrow door. There's a narrow door. Many will try, but they won't be able to. The mistake, number one, is we're focusing on the numbers of people. We want to see what percentage is getting to heaven. We want to see how many people. But really, it's available to all. Jesus goes on to say, <clears throat> someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Are only a few people going to be saved? And he says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the percentages. It's about getting through the door. I was in the middle of Times Square with a group of college students, um, and they had come to do mission work uh, there in New York City and throughout the state of New York. And these guys were all from smaller towns down in, like, Alabama and Texas and some different places. And, I mean, New York City was just blowing them away. The middle of Times Square, all the lights, all the people. And one of the young men, he was standing next to me, and he was like, how are all of these lives, people who don't know God, how are there, there's so many people, how are they going to hear about Jesus? How are, are all of them going to come to know God? And I was like, well, I don't know how they all are going to come, but we can tell that one. We can focus on that one person. We can tell this one person about Jesus. 
Look, if you don't believe it, let's think about COVID for a second, right? How did come all of these people have COVID? Well, because one person infected one person who infected one person who infected four or five people. But you know how what I'm talking about, right? It's one person passes it on to the next person who passes it on to the next person. It's not about how many. It's about how you come to God through Jesus Christ. So for you, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, it says, So the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. This is about a personal thing. You make every effort to enter through the narrow gate. You, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So let me be very, very clear. It's not a percentage, like the people who are good enough that make it to heaven. It's the people who have entered through the narrow door. The people who have come through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is open. He says, for whoever puts their faith in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. Whoever will come can have eternal life. But you've got to go through the narrow door. Today, are you a maybe a fifth or sixth grader? Today, are you a first or second grader? Today, are you a college student, a young adult, an older adult? All of us have to come through the narrow door through Jesus Christ. It's not about percentages. It's about coming through the right door. So mistake number two. You ready? This is a big one for a lot of people. We love our preferences rather than God's provision. We love our preferences rather than God's provision. Now, this is especially in this world because today, in our world, we love diversity. Okay, who's with me? Diversity in food. Everybody agree that this is like the best time ever to live in a world? I mean, I I had Afghan food last night. Earlier in the week, I had Indian food. Earlier in the week, I had some American pork chops. I mean, I I love a variety of food. Anybody Thanksgiving people, you like Thanksgiving? The food is our thing, right? I I mean, we love family and everything, but it's the food, right? That's what we're there for. And some of you guys are big on the whole ham and turkey thing. I like the side dishes, right? Anybody with me? It's the side dishes that make the meal. Um, When I go to the Korean restaurants, they're called panchan. I love the panchan. I love all the little side dishes that come with the main course. I love the variety, and I love having so many different foods. And one of our friends was visiting uh, out of town. He's from Iran, and he took us to a Persian place. And it, if you're going to go to Persian food, go with someone who knows what they're doing, because he ordered all of these little side dishes. And she showed us how to, oh, it was so good. I love variety. I love the different foods and the different smells and the different tastes and the different textures. I love diversity and we're in a world where we love diversity we want to celebrate differences of culture and differences in personality and differences of i don't know the way we want to dress we want everybody to be individual and free that's a preference that we have in this country and actually it's a pretty good one except except when it comes to having a relationship with god Because, see, we think that there's a lot of different ways to have a relationship with God. But the truth of it is, Jesus said you've got to enter through the narrow door. You've got to go through the one way. In fact, in Luke chapter 13, he says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. 
because many will try and not be able to. He says the same thing in Matthew chapter 7, where it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through that one. They go down the road to destruction, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Guys, let me tell you, we want the freedom to choose our career, to choose our love life. We want the freedom to choose so many things. And it's okay to choose a lot of things in life, especially what we eat. But I tell you, there is one way to have a relationship with God, and it's through Jesus Christ. This is the hard saying of Jesus. We want everybody to have their own religion, their own philosophy, their own everything. But here's the deal. Jesus said you've got to enter through the narrow gate, the narrow way. He even defines it for us. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, guess what? He tells us what the narrow gate is. I am. Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. Everyone else, he says, was a liar and a thief. They led people astray. But I am the gate for the sheep. In John 14, Jesus answers when they ask, how do we get to God the Father? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No man comes to God the Father except through me. I'm the only way. I'm the only way. I'm watching Ellen. She's actually giving, it's just like an air traffic controller. I'm moving the plane in. Come on in. You guys come on in. It is fine. We're glad you all are here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God the Father except through me. Did you hear that? Do you want me to say it again? I don't really have to say it again, right? Jesus is it. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, that is the rudest, most insensitive, most self-absorbed saying that anyone could ever say. Jesus is claiming he's the only way to God. Now, if I were standing before you, and Jim was right here with me, Jim, if I told you if I'm, I'm the only way to God, Jim's thinking, cult leader, run away as fast as I can. And Jim, that's, that would be a right conclusion. If anyone's saying, oh, you've got to follow me, or I'm the only teacher, or I'm the special one, we're all going to be scratching our heads saying, no, you're some kind of a cult leader. You're trying to control people's lives. This is nuts. Jesus is claiming to be the only way to God the Father? Okay, the only reason he can make that claim is because he was God had come to us. He was God incarnate. I struggle with this one because can't we have a God who's so loving and so uh, kind that he would make lots of different roads to get to God? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I, I seem to be that loving. Wouldn't I want to make a lot of different roads to God? Here's the deal. The thing is, is we have sin in our life that have separated us from God. We've done our own things. We're separated from God and we can't get to God on our own. So we needed someone to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus is the only one who paid the penalty for our sins. He's the only one who rose from the dead. He's the only one that can give us its eternal life because he's the only one that can, is the answer for the disease that we have called sin. Here's what convinced me. I told you, I, I do college ministry. I've been on the campus for a long time. I teach philosophy. I, 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 I work and struggle with these kinds of concepts every year, every day. But this is what finally convinced me. It was this story. Do you remember this one? Jesus, right before he goes to the cross, he's with his disciples in a garden. 
He's praying. It's night. He's sweating drops of blood. Why is Jesus so sweat, literally sweating blood? Because he's about to be nailed to a piece of wood. He's about to be hung up there and dr- be executed in, through Roman torture. And he doesn't want to do it. I don't want to do it either. I would never want anybody to know. I don't want to go. And Jesus, the Son of God, in his prayer, says this. Look at Matthew 26. Going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground in prayer and says, Father, if it is possible, may this cup... And he's not talking about a cup, right? He doesn't have anything to drink. He's talking about going to this execution... If, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Do you hear what just happened? The Son of God, facing this Roman execution, prays to his dad, Abba, Daddy, Father, please, could we have a plan B? Daddy, if there's another way, if another religion could do it, if some other way could get it done, if people could just keep the commandments. Oh, I know they didn't keep all the commandments. But if people could just be nice, or if people, if we could just get like the top 50%, or if there's some other way for people to have eternal life, would you do that? Daddy, please. Plan B. Yet not my will, but yours. Do you really think that God put His Son on the cross to suffer and die if there was another way? Those of you who are parents, if there were any way to spare your child any suffering, wouldn't you do it? Especially something that was unnecessary. This was necessary. The only way, the only way for our sins to be taken care of, the only way to restore a relationship with God was Jesus going to the cross. We make a big mistake when we take our our desire for diversity, our desire to celebrate our pluralistic society, our desire for people to have freedom and freedom of choice. All of those are good things. But when it comes to a relationship with God, there is no other provision for our sin. There just isn't any. It cost God everything. How can we respond by saying, nah, that's just not what I think is the best way. He put His Son on the cross for you. In First Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom to pay the penalty for all people. This has been witnessed to at the proper time. This was God's plan for the beginning. Don't make this mistake. There is only one way. Well, there's a mistake number three, and it's this. And this is, this is one of the probably more tragic ones, is that thinking you have all the time in the world. Look again at Luke 13. Look what it says. He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because I tell you, many will try to enter and not be able to. The next verse. And once the owner of the house gets up and shuts the door, closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. 
There's a time limit. There's a time limit. It's this life. You only have the days that you have in this life to choose Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's not like, oh, well, I'll wait till later when I get to heaven. They're like, oh, yeah, you've got to know Jesus. Okay, sign me up. No, this is the time to choose. This is today if you hear God's heart or hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Today is the day. I give this speech every semester. My students get to class. I tell them, okay, everybody, here's your syllabus. Here's all the assignments. This is when they're due. This is when things, you know, you, I'll take late work, but you got to get it in by this date. Here's how it has to happen. This is the plan, okay? Every semester I do this. Now, let's just face facts. I'm nicer than my wife. She doesn't take late work at all. You know, you turn it in late, it's a zero. I mean, she like, she doesn't, man, she is like, mm. In Hebrew, the term is lo ruhama. It means no compassion. That, that's kind of her. She, she I mean, she has no mercy. She, she's teaching them to be good teachers, and they have to do their work on time. So I, I, I really admire that about her. Okay. I'm mercy. I'm grace and mercy. You can turn your stuff in late. You just got to get it in. There, but there is a deadline. I tell you, I tell them that this is the deadline. That at the end of the semester, it has to be in by this time. If it's not... Last fall, I got this email. Now, it wasn't just to me, but it looked like this. It was the Time's Up email. It was this from a student. She wrote, Dear Professors. It wasn't even to me. It was to all of her professors. And she was like, Dear Professors, I know I haven't been in class much, and, and I haven't turned in many of the assignments, but I'm supposed to graduate in a couple days. Is there anything I can do? I got this email the day after grades were due. The book is closed. It was game over. I mean, I've already turned in your grades. There is nothing that can be done. We, we're not even we're not allowed. I mean, it's it, it was fine. I mean, now there was grace and mercy. If she had gone even up to the day before, got a bunch of stuff in, I would have spent the night grading trying to help her out. But the door was shut. The grades were turned in. She was going to have to spend another semester in college because there was nothing that could be done at that point. <clears throat> Anders, make sure you get stuff turned in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You got it. There, there's a day that the door gets shut. There's a day the door gets shut. And nobody's excited about that. But grace and mercy is now. The offer of salvation is now. Who have you not told about Jesus? I had three friends lose their mother or their grandmother this week. There's a time that the door shuts. Have you responded to Jesus? Finally, there's one last mistake I want to highlight. And that's the mistake of mistaking proximity for relationship. Proximity for relationship. What do I mean by that? Well, listen to how the people, Jesus said the people would respond in Luke 13. He says, then you will say, these people who the door has been shut, the people that the door owner said, away from me, I've never know you. In verse 26, it says, then you will say, well, we ate and we drank with you. You taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evil." They actually were the ones who ate and drank with Jesus. The ones who walked in the streets with Him. Many became His followers, but many rejected Him as Messiah, King, as God's provision. Many mistake proximity for this relationship with God. 
for salvation that Jesus offers. You see, it takes saving faith. It takes a response that says, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I give myself to you. You are my king. You are my savior. You're my only hope. You're the only one who has died for my sins. You are the gate. You are the narrow way. And I'm putting my trust in you. Either you've done that or you haven't. Well, yeah, but, you know, I was at church. I sang in the choir. I was on the worship team. You know, I even taught Sunday school. I mean, surely I've done enough good stuff. Surely I'm in the top 20 or 30% of good people in the world. It doesn't matter. Enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. But I was a deacon. I was a trustee. I was a... Away from me. I didn't know you. You were not part of my people. You would never come into that salvation relationship with God. Today, the challenge question is really simple. Have you responded to Jesus? Have you entered through the narrow gate? Have you said, yes, all the prophets are fulfilled in you. All of the promises uh, of God are fulfilled in you, Jesus. You are my only hope. I give my life to you. Forgive me. Save me. If that's you today, would you respond to Jesus? And for those of you who have, realize that this passage has something to say to us. Perhaps you've been kind of like, you know, well, yeah, Jesus, you're my Savior, but and I'll choose to follow you, but right now I'm kind of doing my own thing. Broad is the path that leads to destruction. Not just eternal destruction. If you have Jesus, you have eternal life. But we can destroy our lives by trying to just to go our own way. Jesus called us into a way to live, in a way to follow him, in a way to fulfill all that God has. We have that opportunity. Are you following Jesus today? And finally, is there somebody you haven't told? That door will shut. That There will come a day when they will no longer have an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Is there someone you need to tell today, this week, the next opportunity? Would you pray for open doors for the message of Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. Father, we do come with thanksgiving in our hearts because you gave us Jesus. Thank you for not leaving us helpless, but by sending your Son to save us. Thank you for making a way when it was impossible for us to save ourselves. You rescued us. God, let us respond in passionate devotion, giving our lives back to you, and faithful proclamation of the good news of your Son, Jesus. We pray these things in his name. This morning, Aaron's going to come. He's going to lead us in another song. But as we sing, there's an invitation, an invitation for you to respond. Maybe you want to say yes to Jesus like right now. It's like, I can't wait anymore. I don't know how much time I have. I'm going to be up here. You can come and we'll pray. Or even right where you are, if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, you ask Jesus to come into your life right now. Some other needs might be on your heart or maybe another commitment you need to make to the Lord. I'm going to be up front. You come. We'll pray.